It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show. And today we're not at the G1. We were in Manchester eight days ago. Oh. Yeah, on the 27th of July 2019 at the venerable Manchester Academy, which I've been to a thousand times before and got lost. Uh, but we're talking Sendai Girls Pro Wrestling in the United Kingdom. And will you please welcome back to the Troopany Show, even though his debut performance hasn't aired yet, Mr. John Deathman Dinsdale of Steel Chair Magazine and of Indie Empire Magazine. How are you, sir? I'm not too bad. That was actually my first time in the Manchester Academy, and me and my air friend nearly got lost trying to find it. <laughs> Honest to God, I have been to. I've seen Weston Jake there. I've seen Real Big Fish there. I've seen Zebrahead there. I've seen the Ataris there about four times. Oh, I've seen loads of bands there, and could not get from Victoria Gar- um, Piccadilly Gardens to Victoria Road with a sat nav. Me and my partner, Sophie, who's, you know, for listeners to the show will know who's my partner, who also, they will know, doesn't like wrestling, but came with me to this show. Um, and we, we couldn't find it. We got lost. Took us about an hour wandering around aimlessly around Manchester to find it. We got there in the end, and we had a very good time. Um, first of all, John, what are your thoughts on Sendai Girls as a promotion? What did you know about them before this show came about? And then I'll talk about how this show came about a little bit after that. So with me, I found Sendai Girls about, well, I found Mako Satamura when she first appeared in the Mae Young Classic. And mm-hmm. after doing a little bit of research on that, I found she had her own promotion, Sendai Girls. And I watched a little bit on YouTube here and there, but I kind of sort of petered out on it because with wrestling, there's about 20 different things you've got to watch at once. <laughs> then... Fight Club Pro's project, Tokyo, came around, and I happened to get introduced to a specific wrestler named Dash Chizako. And Uh, when she was teaming with Millie McKenzie against Beauty Bear, and that basically dragged me into Sendai Girls because I wanted to see more of them, basically. Like Dash, Hashimoto, um, Satomura, everyone that's in Sendai Girls, basically. So, yeah. I, I, that's that's really cool that you've come to it at this particular stage because obviously fans of this show know that I believe Mika Satomura is the greatest professional wrestler in the world today. That is her official title. And I've been a fan of Mako since about 1995. So didn't realize it at the time. I didn't realize it until much later. And I've written probably more about Mika Satomura than any other person on earth. So I have been a fan for a while. So this was a great, great occasion for me, not only to see Mako Satomura, because I'm always happy that I ever get to see Mako Satomura, because what are the odds of this Japanese superstar coming to the UK up until three or four years ago, none of us believed it was possible. And then because of people like B- BWE and Pro Wrestling Eve and other companies like Shikara and Fical Pro, all of a sudden these things have become very possible. And in this month's edition of Indie Empire magazine, I write about the Joshi invasion of the UK, which really started in about 2013 with Ice Ribbon. Um, but it has steadily trickled more and more. Ice Ribbon did a couple of shows in Doncaster four or five years ago. And then Stardom came, and they did Tooting, Tram, and Social, about 150 people. And then Joshi wrestlers started coming to Pro Wrestling Eve, and a couple of bigger shows. And then all of a sudden, 
Sendai girls can go to Manchester and do a thousand people in the academy by themselves with some help from Fight Club Pro. But that's quite an impressive jump for a style of wrestling. It's very market, very individual to that market, wouldn't you say, John? Oh, definitely. When I saw the amount of people that were actually there, I was pretty shocked because I thought, hmm, like everyone's seen Samura and Fight Club Pro, so. But then to actually get to the academy, and I got there just on five, so I managed to avoid the queue. And <laughs> I was shocked at how many people are in there. Like how many seats were set up, how many people were stood around. And I was just kind of like, oh shit, this is, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. This it's is an a... actual big deal. Like yes. here I was thinking, oh, I found this nice little show that's got a lot of the stars I like on. It'll probably be pretty quiet. But no, for um, my sort of first show outside of Newcastle, I was kind of like, oh, wow. This is this a big was, deal. This was a big deal, you know. I mean, so Mako Satomura has been a star in this country. People have known about it, but not necessarily wrestling fans have known about it since about 2001 because of the Gaia Girls documentary. And, of course, she was a star of Gaia, which did appear on the wrestling channel in the early to mid-2000s. And she's been a big star for Shikara and a big star for Fight Club Pro. She was Fight Club Pro champion last year. So there is a lot of things that have gone on in the wrestling industry in the UK, which has given a quite a platform to work from. Definitely. Her run as um, Fight Club Pro champion was kind of my introduction to Fight Club Pro as well, because I was seeing a fight like the likes of uh, Schadenfreude, Walter, Mark Davis, all just kind of amazing examples of intergender wrestling. Yeah, and that is the thing. I mean, with Satomura, she is... She has one step foot in the past, as her theme quite quite rightly says, yesterday's heroes will fight another day. But she also has one foot firmly in the future. She is a visionary promoter. She's a visionary booker of professional wrestling, as well as being a visionary worker. She is the now of professional wrestling, and she is the matriarch of Japanese women's wrestling. And she sets the standard for professional wrestling the world over, in my humble opinion, I think the best line I've ever heard about Satomura was someone described her as the final boss of Joshi Wrestling. That was Michael Cole. Was it? Oh. It was actually Michael Cole, believe it or not. He said he something intellectual. Wow. Yeah, actual truth. He stole that line off me because I wrote it in FSM six months before. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. You know, it's... Uh... It was nice. When I heard that, I was like, I wrote that. <laughs> so it all came full circle. Nice. All comes full circle. Yes, I write Michael Cole's material. I wrote something similar in FSM anyway, but that was the way it was kind of like landed. Anywho. Um, right. Four-way match was the opening match, which featured, which featured Viper, Giselle Shaw, Isla Dawn, and Jody Threat in 11 minutes and 18 seconds. Interesting that they started out with a all-European kind of effort. Scotland versus England, as it was. Not seen Giselle Shaw before, and she's quite the fan favourite. And not seen Jodie Threat before, and she was awesome. Really liked her. Of course, Viper and Isla Dawn, well-known players on the indie scene in the UK and now in WWE NXT UK. Uh, but a quite corky and open. Set the tone just the way you wanted it to. What do you think of this, John? I loved it. Like This was my um, first time seeing Jodie Threat in a match. I've seen Giselle in Fight Club. And obviously I review NXT UK, so Isla Dawn and Piper Niven slash Viper are regulars to me. So it's nice to see them in person. And yeah, as you said, this was kind of chaotic. <laughs> it was a bit of a spot fest. 
it was a good spot fest. It was an entertaining spot fest. Everyone got their stuff in. The spots that were there were well done and well put together. And it was a lot of fun, I think. That was kind of like kind of thing you want at the opening of a show, especially to a new audience who may not have seen this product before. You want somebody to drag them in, don't you? Definitely. It's like, right, you've got about 10 minutes. Go out there, drive the quiet crowd mad, get yourselves over. Bam. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did what it said on the tin, really. That was it. Uh, next up was Iger defeating Martina Session Moth in 10 minutes and 34 seconds of arguably the greatest professional wrestling match of the last 50. Oh, man. This was the (laughs) best. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, Iga is, well, she's a zombie slash ghost, okay? And Iga really kind of kicked off her career about mm, 24 years ago on the opening night of Gaia. Um, Actually, she was in the main event against Chigasaw Nagayo and Dynamite Kansai tagging with I can't remember who it was somebody, um, but she was the like main event feature monster. And she's made a career out of being this. She was originally, um, I mean, uh, quite a good wrestler. She was a mechanic and was well, uh, Mizuki Endo, she was a mechanic. who was well loved as a professional wrestler um, and then became Iger because she wanted to further her career and she needed to be something different because Obviously, in that era, 1995, there was an awful lot of good mechanics about. You couldn't just be a mechanic. You had to have something different about you. And she's made a career out of being this ghostly character. And as the referee said at the beginning of the match, just bear in mind, she's already dead, so you can't hurt her. And then Martina, Session Moth, uh, uh, again, just genius professional wrestler and actually parallels her career with Iger quite well because Martina was a bit of a mechanic on the Irish wrestling scene for a long while, wasn't really getting as far as she could do, came up with the Session Moth character, um, is the mother of 83 children, I believe now. Uh, I think somewhere around that, yeah. Yes, around 83 children, and uh, can put a match together with anyone that is incredibly entertaining, brilliant intergender wrestler, brilliant brawler, brilliant mat technician. She can do everything pro wrestling in the pro wrestling world, and I absolutely adored this match just because it was so much fun. This is like, the Sendai Girls is like deathly serious. It's proper wrestling. So anything you can put in to make it pop is worthwhile. Would you not agree? Oh, definitely. And can we just, on the uh, Martina front, say she's the only person who makes Cascada even remotely acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Yeah, but really, really good wrestling match. Oh, without a doubt. This was kind of like my, um, I took a friend with me. This was his second wrestling show. The first was uh, Defiant when Pac first showed up and he adored this match. This had him out of his seat. Oh, like, I mean, I, yeah, I was going to say Sophie really liked this match. She liked Iger a lot. She thought she was a really cool idea. The whole concept of Iger was awesome. I just love the ref trying to control this thing. <laughs> Martina's just legged it. She's like, nope, not having this. Can't do it. Nope. It's it's, it's essentially the 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 um, uh, Scooby Doo and a Scooby Doo episode in a wrestling match, including a Scooby Doo chase around the building, uh, and eventually Iger ended up being chased by Martina, as you'd expect. It was just top comedy, um, and then eventually Martina came out with a rather battered-looking Henry Hoover. And yeah, busted some ghosts. Well, try to. I go <laughs> kind of busted Henry and then busted a knee. 
yeah and that was that and the next day martina had to fly back to belfast to wrestle mark askins <laughs> uh can, can we not remember that um Iger got drunk and nearly took herself out of the match true she did i didn't forgot about that yeah she had some but uh, martina had some budweiser's in her corner and uh Iger took a swig and and didn't like it a body as a ghost was was quite lightweight really Oh, the crowd made that moment though. But I just, oh, I don't know if we could say the chant actually. No, I don't think we should. There was some quite rude chants throughout this entire chant. <laughs> Wait until it comes on Fight Club Pro Unlimited or the Sendai Girl Service, and make sure you watch this match. You should, because it is genius, utter genius. Now, in the pre uh, pre interval closer, like the kind of like what I like to call the quarter final because it's usually quite an important match to get you into the interval, was Dash Chisarko versus Kaylee Ray in a no-disqualification match. Oh. 60 minutes and 24 seconds of lots of things that make you go... And oh, this definitely. was really, really good. Cool. And it does show you how close the relationship between Sendai Girls and WWE is, uh, considering the fact they let Kaylee Ray, get, take Kaylee Ray do this. Um, and Viper as well, and Isla Dawn being allowed on this show is pretty damn cool. But this was kind of a dream match. And it was a dream match between two stellar brawlers and two daredevils. And I think they had the right winner. It was very interesting the way these two was presented. I mean, Kaylee Ray last year beat Mako Satomura at Pro Wrestling Eve in an absolute barn burner, which I argue was the best live wrestling match I've ever seen. And this was very, very good. I don't think it was in that league, but it was kind of like two wrestlers who have very similar styles. So it was it was well worth the watch and just kind of like that tension between two people were really good or something. What's your thoughts on this, John? Because I know you're a big fan of Dash and a big fan of Kaylee Ray. Yeah, when I first saw this match advertised, I was just like, I've definitely made the right decision buying these tickets. <laughs> <laughs> it's as you said, they've got very similar styles. They both have a flagrant disregard of their own sort of safety. And yeah, this was one of those matches where you occasionally had to get up and sort of chase the action. <laughs> Luckily, where I was sat, there was the there was a bar area and they sort of brawled in front of that and Dash sort of climbed up onto the bar and she um, hit her head on <laughs> over an overhang. So she sort of paused, held her head, went, oh, and then leapt onto Kaylee Ray right in front of our seating area. And it was amazing to sort of see. And then once it kind of got more in-ring, I lost count of how many chairs were thrown. Joshy girls and bars. First time I saw Kaylee Ray wrestle, I actually was wrestling Io Shirai in Tutankhamun and Social, and it was intense because Io pulled a moonsault off the bar onto Kaylee Ray. Jesus, so, <laughs> it's that kind of send. It's uh, Joshy girls and bars. They do love a good bar to fly off of. I've seen Dash put, jump off of um, the Wolver the FCP show at Wolverhampton. Sorry, if you carry King of Trio, she jumped off the opening uh, set. Uh, she jumped off the top of that onto British Strong Style uh, at the King of Trios finals. Dash, is, Dash has got a lack of regard for her own sensibilities. It's a good job they don't allow people up in the balcony at Kirkland Hall anymore. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, you'd probably lose count of how many times she'd jump off it. <laughs> now, this particular show was really interesting for the amount of people who were there who actually knew and didn't know I knew. Uh, for instance, John, who we only discovered afterwards whilst we were in the Indie Empire production chat, going, you were there? Yeah. Oh. We should know, because we, we yeah. walked past each other like six times. 
This was the <laughs> melting pot of kind of like wrestling personalities. It was. Um, Yastriga from your cage match, which which I'm looking at right now to give me the results. He was there, but I didn't get a chance to see him because we kept missing each other. I own a beer for that. Um, Rami Scammell, who is one of my followers, found out was sat next to us after we got home because he never pictured, never posts pictures of himself. There was only three of us on the back row. There was us two and him and didn't realize it was him. So, hey, now we know you were here. Hey, really cool. We should have come and introduced ourselves, but we didn't realize it was you. Oh, you yourself. Christ, I think <laughs> I've realized where you were sitting and it was like the sort of, you were just across from me. Yes. Oh, <laughs> bloody hell. These things happen. Don't worry. I'm sure there will be other wrestling shows we will attend together at some point. I was going to say, if they bring Sendai Girls back over, I'll be there. Oh, yeah, of course. I will be too as well. Um, then after the interval, we had a singles match. Now, Valkyrie was supposed to wrestle Kelly Kelly. Uh, not Kelly Kelly. Um, Killer, Killer Kelly. Kelly. Killer Kelly. Uh, Killer Kelly. But Killer Kelly had an injury. I always get Killer Kelly and Kelly Klein mixed up. <laughs> Because they have very similar body shapes and wrestling styles. <laughs> but I always remember deep. Killer Kelly because she's got amazing NXT UK music. Oh, there you go. Um, but yeah, so she was supposed to wrestle Killer Kelly and couldn't. And the mu- then she insisted um, that she should face the biggest and best competition they could find for her. And the music went, the lights went down, and Session for you came out with Chris Brooks, along with Kid Lycos and Kyle Fletcher. And they had a bit of a barnstormer. Kid Lycos's new management persona since his career-ending injury, because um, now he has the, the ability to talk. He's actually quite a talker, and quite an entertaining talker at that. And the fact that he kept selling his shoulder blade was quite funny as well. Um, but Chris Brooks, who is the master of intergender wrestling in this country, uh, for those of you who don't know, kind of made his name wrestling Tegan Knox for about two years. And Tegan Knox made her name wrestling him for about two years. So it's uh, really important to watch him wrestle intergender matches at least once in your life. Now I have. Valkyrie is a young Irish wrestler who is going to steal the show on every show she's on. Because I have not seen a worker work this hard in a very long time. She is outstanding and I love watching her wrestle. I want to see more of her wrestling. Um, And it was great to see her showcased against Chris Brooks in this manner. And uh, Valkyrie takes the win. What's your thoughts on this one, John? I tore my throat up when I heard the Schadenfreude music. Because I'd been hoping, because I've never seen Chris Brooks live. He's like the one person on like my dream hit list that I've never seen. And I had like a feeling with it being like a Fight Club Pro slash Sendai Girls branded show. I was like, he could appear, he could appear, he could appear. <laughs> and that music hit and I I lost it. And then, as you said, it was one hell of a match. Like, yeah. it, it never stopped. No, it was absolutely back and forth action and proper, proper heat. You know, that... not, not seen this kind of heat in Manchester since Rollerball Rocco heat. I just love the fact that Chris Brooks is like, I would never, and I have never laid a hands on, my wo- on a woman. Oh, wait, yes, I have. Bam! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris is absolute. Chris is a wrestling genius. I will say... I have seen Chris Brooks wrestle many times before, um, and I was lucky enough to be the the night that they debuted in Progress Wrestling um, after British Strong Style had beaten everybody up and the music hit for CCK and Kid Lycos and Chris Brooks came out. And it is one of the things that I'll remember as a wrestling fan for a very long time. The fact that they'd not done any promos, that they'd not done any 
kind of like teasers or anything. People had a rough idea that they may be turning up, but it wasn't by any means a bang on thing. And the fact that that roof blew off that building up the road there at the Ritz, uh, not at uh, the Academy, by the way. Send that goes probably put more people in the academy than progress during the Ritz, so that'll tell you how uh, busy it was. Um, actually, maybe not because Ritz has got the upstairs as well, so probably a little more in the Ritz. But yeah, so Chris Brooks and CCK generally, and any associates of them are always going to pack heat, and they did a fantastic job to get the crowd pumped up and ready for the second half of the show. That top rope axe kick that Valkyrie does is amazing. It is. It, she's just fantastic. And you look, you look at her, um, she reminds me a lot of people like Charlie Morgan and people like, who's also sadly retired, and I'm trying to think of the other one. There's a couple of others as well. Jenny Shodin, um, who also lived in Manchester and trained in Manchester for a long time. She's very crisp, very tight, big suplexes. She's a bit like uh, Megumi Hata from the... AJW Dojo of the 87. She still wrestles for uh, Diana, but she wrestles like she did back in the 80s. She's like a smaller version of her. She's going to be incredibly good. Because if yeah. she's, she's modeled herself on Hotter, that's just the person to model yourself on right now. <laughs> I can see a, like, a very long and bright future for us should all go well. And also, she doesn't take risks. She's about pound, ground and pound mat wrestling, which is, means a long and productive career. <laughs> But anyway, we shall see. Right, moving on. Next match was for the Sendai Girls World's Tag Team Championship. Your hero Hashimoto and you unsuccessfully challenged Medusa Complex, Charlie Evans and Millie McKenzie, the current tag team champions. And I'd argue one of the best tag teams in the world right now. But Charlie Evans and Millie McKenzie are outstanding wrestlers. I love watching them wrestle. I love watching their attitudes as this part of this tag team. And Hashimoto and you are not regular partners, but they were just the right people to uh, get these two over. Uh, you actually works with Tokyo Joshi Pro, and she's been in the UK on excursion for the last six months or so, picking up as much experience as she can in the UK. Shihiro Hashimoto doesn't normally tag with her, but it was a, as a makeshift team goes, it was a pretty damn good makeshift team. And this was kind of like a classic Japanese Joshi-style tag match. It was a bit like watching the LCO back in the day. And I don't say those words lightly. You know how much respect I have for Los Kakaharis Orientales. But there are a few teams that have come across with this level of intensity since then. Charlie Evans and Millie McKenzie are the real deal. And they're incredibly young and incredibly talented and incredibly hardworking. What are your thoughts on this matchup, John? This was amazing. Like I've probably said that for every match we've talked about so far, <laughs> but just on sheer terms of like in-ring action, the level of intensity, the level of brutality, just everything was kind of like pumped up past the usual limits. Like you and Hashimoto were one hell of what I like to call a tank team. <laughs> that they would just bulldoze everyone. I ended up sort of running into like Millie and Charlie after the match and just seeing sort of like Charlie's chest after all the bloody chops she'd taken. And I was just sort of thinking to myself, I couldn't take that now, let alone at her age. It's just like, nope. Yeah, she's... Uh, Charlie Evans and Millie McKenzie are just on another planet uh, for their age and their poise and their delivery. And obviously Millie spent a lot of time in Sendai Girls over the last 12 months or so, gaining that experience of wrestling in Japan. Uh, gaining that experience of being a main eventer, being a champion. She was Sendai Girls Junior Champion for a long while. And now they've given her this push in the tag team division with Charlie Evans, a team that started in Pro Wrestling Eve, 
um, and really kicked off there as a heel team in pro wrestling. Even they're kind of tweeners in Sendai girls because they're just bad girls who get the job done, which is kind of right place to put those two, I think. They're not really baby faces. And they're not really heels per se. They're just hardworking grafters and want to win championships. Bit like watching Tully Blanchard and Aaron Anderson in the 80s, you know. They were they were heels, but plenty of people appreciate the work that they did because they were that good. And these two have the potential to be one of the best women's tag teams of the last ten years. So I hope they stick together for a long, long time to come. They also come out to Rob Zombie's Living Dead Girl, which is an amazing track. <laughs> I actually bought the Living Dead Girl shirt whilst I was there because I bloody adored it. But yes, this is another one of those matches where you sort of look. You can look back on it a few months from now and it'll still be as good as when you first saw it it's going to age really well I think this is the thing in the modern wrestling age is we don't appreciate things whilst they're there like I'm watching the G1 at the minute and there's not been a bad match in the G1, the worst match I've seen as well, not really the worst match the least match I least appreciated was Zack Sabre Jr versus Tanahashi or Igno Okada because it won't long enough. I won't see them to wrestle longer, and they seem to be packing things in a bit too tight. And if that's the worst match you see, or the match you're most disappointed with, because everything else matches your expectations, you don't really appreciate things the way you used to, do you? No. You kind of... Every, we Again, it's this sort of oversaturation thing. There's that much we have to watch, or we choose to watch. We often forget the things we've seen. Yeah, I mean, it is like, you know, you can pretty much get hold of all the Sendai Girl stuff if you want to. You know, if you pay for their streaming service, you'll see all of it. If you just download the stuff that's on um, Pareso Dream, you'll get the majority of the big cards you need to see to keep following the storylines. And it's like, and that's maybe one match a month or one card a month, I should say. But staying on top of all these promotions, if you just download the stuff of Pareso Dream from the TV shows that go on in Japan every week, you've got enough wrestling to keep you more busy than WWE will, you know, because there'll be one show from Oz Academy, there'll be another show from uh, from Sendai Girls, there'll be another show from, say, Big Japan or uh, from BJW, because that's how I tend to keep yeah. up. So there's like six shows a week you could probably pick up just off Pareso Dream, you know, you could, well, so six shows a month, I would think you could just watch off Pareso Dream without even like buying anything extra on top of that to keep you busy. You know, and there's plenty of wrestling there to keep you organized. Um, and then if you stick, like, you know, you put New Japan World on top of that, maybe a DDT subscription, a bit of Dragon Gate here and there, and you're easily looking at 12 hours of wrestling a week, and no one can keep up with that kind of pace, can they? No, it's too frantic. Yeah, and that's even before we get to North America. You know, it was Triple Mania, to, it was Triple Mania last night. We're probably going to have to watch that before the end of the week and review it, because we always review Triple Mania. I don't find somebody to review it with. <laughs> so, you know, and we've got the G1 going on at the same time. There's just too much good wrestling at the moment. And I'm not complaining, because there was an awful long time when there wasn't that much good stuff. Anywho, moving on to our main event of the evening. There was another short break, by the way. Do you like an interval with Sendai Girls? Nothing wrong with that. Do you mind buy more merch and buy more beer? And meet more wrestlers. And meet more wrestlers. Main event was Tony Storm. She defeated Meiko Satsumura, 20 minutes and 41 seconds. 
of a slightly disappointing matchup, I have to say. It's still Tony Storm wrestling maker of Satamora, and this was incredibly important, especially because Tony Storm doesn't normally wrestle Mako Satamora. Sendai girls do not currently have a deal with stardom, so this was really important to the Japanese industry. And if Tony Storm goes and guests in stardom again, which she has done in the past, even though she's under contract to WWE, it does mean an awfully big favor has been done by Mako Satomura to Tony Storm. This affects wrestling politics the world over because of this one match and because it will appear on the Sendai Gold streaming service. The fans in Japan have been well serviced by this card. There is a lot of things going on in the background, even though the stuff in front of you is really important too. What are your thoughts on this one, John? I must admit, going back, going on what you've just said there, I was really shocked at how it sort of ended. I was kind of just like, that's huge. Yes. Like, that is unbelievably huge. I even turned to my friend and I just sort of said, I can't believe that's just happened. That is probably <laughs> the rub of a lifetime right there. It is. I mean, Mako has been doing some favours this year, shall we say. She lost to Kaylee Ray last year at Wrestle Kingdom 1 which was a big rub because Kaylee Ray is a stardom wrestler. Um, and Tony Storm is also a stardom wrestler. So it kind of puts her faith in the next generation of pro wrestlers. She wants, you know, people to, she wants to give them rub to people she considers good and she considers important to the wrestling industry. I can definitely see that. Just from like the type of booker and promoter and wrestler she is. Yeah. And you also have to say, like, you know, she was so, when the, as per usual, the show started with the Sendai girls presenting themselves as they do in their professional manner. And she was just so happy to see everybody there that come out to see a Sendai girl show in Manchester, which is an important home to her. She grew up on people like Billy Robinson and the Dynamite Kid and Mark Rocco. And these wrestlers are from Manchester, from Goldbourne, from Wigan, from Manchester, and Lancastrian wrestlers that really set the tone for what strong style would become in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And as they call Sendai girls, Joshi Strong style, it became part of her wrestling philosophy. So Manchester is important to her. And she did this particular favor to Tony Storm in Manchester, which is really, really important to Joshi Pro Wrestling in the next 12 months and certainly to Sendai girls. She certainly didn't make it easy either. Tony Storm was in one hell of a fight. To quote another Marty Jones, to quote Marty Jones, another great Lancastrian, she was blowing out her ass. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> which, is, which is a snake pit phrase for uh, making sure wrestlers who are wrestlers earn their spot, shall we say? <laughs> there was a lot but of yeah. pile drivers in this match. There was Tony with Tony that stunt pile driver. She does like it quite a lot, and she delivers it very, very well. Actually, I have to say, Tony Tony Storm has grown an awful lot. I don't know if it's that time spent at the UK Performance Centre has given her time to a breathing style, but I enjoyed watching her wrestle a lot more on this night than I have done in the past. Yeah, this was a very sort of focused Tony Storm. There was less of the sort of play up to the crowd style. She was more that I'm here to wrestle, I'm here to fight, I'm going to lock you in holes and basically put you down. Yeah, because she's wrestling God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you have to act like it. Mako Satomura is the boss. That is the person that you will, you know, she's the gatekeeper for every company in Joshi that she works with. You know, she's she's the ultimate rookie test. She is the best wrestler on the planet. She sets the tone for what professional wrestling will be like. Um, and certainly, you know, she has so many great ideas as a booker. She is 
uh, one of the best creative minds in professional wrestling. Her and Jinshe Sinzaki have built that company from scratch in 2005 to 2019 in 14 years, going on world tours, going to America, going to Chicago, going to uh, Fight Club Pro, helping Fight Club Pro put on shows in Tokyo, going to Manchester. You know, this tiny company that only ever promotes five or six girls in Sendai has had this incredible, credible year. Oh, without a doubt. And it kind of, like, this show sort of reflects what I'm seeing, like, on the whole, with sort of companies being more willing to work together to sort of put on the best, especially between, like, the UK, the US, and Japan. Like, if I can take us on a slight tangent. No, I agree with you, because this really came out of Shikara booking uh, Pete Dunn, um, Mark Andrews, and Trent Seven for... Oh, somebody else. Oh, Mod Guy. I can't remember his name. Flash Morgan Webster. Flash Morgan Webster. Yeah, there you go. No, it was Flash Morgan Webster. It was Pete Dunn and Mark Andrews signed to go to Chicago Pro in 2011. I think it was at 2012. It was the year that Bullet Club won the, the King of Trios. Anyway, they signed to go there and they were told, you know, by the British wrestling scene, don't go because Chicago only paid them for. They didn't pay them from flights. They paid their own tickets out there. But they got exposure in the US. And then Fight Pro started working with Shikara. And eventually King of Trios came to the UK. You know, they were, um, they held King of Trios in, in the UK. Sendai Girls unsuccessfully got to the final, lost to British Strong Style in an absolute barnstorming six-person tag match that was, like, just unreal. Um, and off the back of that exposure... Pete Dunn gets signed with WWE, so does um, Mark Andrews, you know, who got signed with Impact Wrestling before then. You know, those three wrestlers deciding we're going to cut our own cloth, we're not going to worry about what our peers think, essentially started the ball rolling to getting them all signed by WWE, to developing Progress Wrestling to being the biggest wrestling company, company in England, helping ICW becoming the biggest wrestling company in Scotland, helping Fight Club Pro become the prominent and most progressive wrestling company in the UK and arguably taking the spot of progress in certain places, especially in England, and really ruling the roost in the Midlands. Then they developed this relationship with DDT, they developed this relationship with Big Japan, they developed this relationship with Sendai Girls, which gets them to the Tokyo. So this cross-appeal between Shikara, Fight Club Pro, Sendai Girls, uh, has really kind of developed this entire international scene where we're seeing companies going back and forth across the Pacific and across the Atlantic and bringing their brand of professional wrestling and more importantly, giving everybody opportunities and giving everybody jobs. Chris Brooks has just come back off a month with DDT Pro. We kind of, a lot of us thought he would be the slot that John Moxley got in New Japan Pro Wrestling. We thought it'd be Chris Brooks there. That's how important Chris Brooks has become. You know, and in the end, it turned out to be John Moxley. And it's been kind of good for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Kind of wish it was Chris Brooks. <laughs> but you I, see, I'm not sure see, about that. Moxley you don't think so. is probably one of my best like G1 matches of all time. I well, I'd love to see Chris Brooks versus Ishii, though, wouldn't you? We might get that one day. We might get that one day. Yeah, if he keeps working for Red Pro, we probably will. Um, but yeah, so there's been this entire cross-pollination between these three companies that have been nothing but good for all three companies. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And we're, seeing, we're still seeing it with GCW and BJW and 
I easily see Chris Brooks going to DDT again, especially if it means more work with their Takanashi. Oh, they were one hell of a team. (laughs) Well, yeah, and it all depends on what happens. I mean, you've got with, especially with Brooks, you've got the original CCK reformed in Ref Pro, and they're, you know, you've got the Copperbox show coming up, and DDT, New Japan aren't like, you know, at loggerheads. DDT had let them go do that. So there's all sorts of things that are looking good for Chris Brooks and looking good for Fight Club Pro. And, you know, Chris Brooks is had a busy year. He chose not to go to WWE. And instead, he kind of became the linchpin of the British wrestling scene. He's been booking for Fight Club Pro. He's been booking for Attack Wrestling in Wales while Mark Andrews is, is busy, essentially, with WWE NXT UK. He's kind of like the guy that holds the whole thing together. And, He's you know, been putting got... his own show on. Schadenfreude and Friends. Yeah, exactly. And... You know, as people kind of move on, we've had Jim Smallman announce this week he's no longer going to be involved with Progress because he's too busy with WWE NXT UK and his stand-up projects and one thing and another. This next generation has to take the lead. You know, Defiant closed down this week. They announced their closure. And there's been lots of talk about that. And I'm sad to see any wrestling company go. I don't think they had the right... uh, business model to sustain themselves in this particular environment in the UK. I think they relied far too heavily on big names and they didn't do enough time, spend enough time building storylines to really move things along. I mean, I don't think they were as bad as some companies like Five Star Wrestling. But um, <laughs> I think I think there's, there were things that Defiant did that were great and I think there were other things that they perhaps didn't, could, shouldn't have done. But there is a one of the reasons why companies like Progress have done well is because they've been organic and they've developed things organically and they haven't just relied on one set of wrestlers. They've kind of like moved things around and found different people and done different things. They maybe haven't been as creative in the last 18 months as they needed to be and have started to show because it's like, you know, Progress tickets used to be like, come find them anywhere. Whereas now you, there's, you'll, you'll get a ticket. You won't, you won't have a problem finding a ticket, certainly in Camden. You certainly won't find a problem finding a ticket in Manchester or Sheffield. So it becomes, you know, they've become the hot company, but maintaining that is much harder than people think. And a lot of it less relies on, you know, old school booking techniques. You go back to Memphis and build on um, Jerry Lawler would do six months and um, <clears throat> Jerry Jarrett would do six months. They wouldn't just like, you know, they, they would swap off of each other and it's, it's things like that which need to be done now you know the british wrestling industry has come an awful long way in the last five years but they've got to start thinking about the future every company has and there's some cool stuff that's happening and that almost brings us full circle because that's what fight club pro is doing at the moment by ensuring it's got international talent relations yeah it's future proofing itself and it's making sure it has good booking connections for the future so people can learn and go on excursions and it's, it's things like that that used to happen. You know, it, you go back to the 50s and the 60s and joint promotions with Dale Martin and Reslo and uh, all of those little companies around the UK that all worked together. They all had their piece of the pie, just like the NWA. But the big stars went to all of the different territories and no one had a bad night. And sometimes working together like that is probably the best thing that you can do for a pro wrestling kind of future because it doesn't wear out your local talent. If they move on, they move on. That's not really a big deal. But the key thing is making new stars. And I think that's what um, Fight Club Pro managed to do with a lot of the audience who might not have had any idea who Sendai Girls actually were. 
Yeah, and they've entertained and informed their audience with a show that was outstanding. The Japanese fans have got plenty to chew on back home, and the fans of Sendai Girls in the UK finally the opportunities to see the Sendai Girls wrestle the way the Sendai Girls should wrestle. That's no and, knock on any of the appearances they made anywhere else, by the way. <laughs> and meet said Sendai Girls. Indeed. They said. Yeah, it's it's been it was outstanding, and you know. There's a lot gone into the Sendai Girls going to the UK. The work they did with Pro Wrestling E over the last two years as well helped give them a profile in this country. The way that they've developed as a company uh, individually as well. Kagetsu being a big star in stardom also helped them out because she had to come from somewhere. Cassandra as well. You know, Sendai Girls have got this reputation for producing badass wrestlers now. So there's all sorts of things that have gone on. Um, But Sendai in their home environment was something special. It definitely was. Okay, then. Well, I would like to thank Mr. John Dinsdale for joining us today. Do you want to thank know something you, funny? What's that? I was, um, in the first intimation, I um, went out to sort of meet a bunch of the wrestlers, and um, there was Giselle, Isla Dawn, and Session Moth all across one, one table. And so I finally got to the Session Moth side, and um, Iga creeped out, and um, <laughs> Martina went running again. <laughs> so even in any in the, in, the, in the intermissions you'll still find entertainment of course you always <laughs> will because it's a wrestling show that's the way it's supposed to go all right you can find me at sheriff lone star on twitter where can we find you john i am john deathman on twitter the edgiest twitter handle you'll find <laughs> um as James so kindly said, you'll find my writings on Steelchair, Indie Empire, and a little-known publication called Fight Booth if you need some WWE goodness. And lastly, if you want to hear more of this monotonous, robotic, slash nasally voice, I do in fact have my own podcast called Drops, Dives, and Deathmatches. You will find that on Twitter and wherever podcasts are uploaded. I've genuinely lost track at this point (laughs) well thank you for today i appreciate you coming thank you for having me that's no problem um as you said you can find us too at indie empire magazine uh we're working on our third edition now or fourth edition third edition now um and was writing in there about this particular show for me and also my continuing story the three musketeers in new japan pro wrestling uh lots of other cool cover stories as well um and they sponsor us the true penny show also you can talk to our partners powerslam.tv who actually have sendai girls on their service if you use our code mulletwatch you can watch some Sendai Girls classics and some progress. I think there's some Fight Club Pro on there as well. Lots of stuff in the wrestling world. Go and get a free month with our code MULLETWATCH. You can find us on Twitter, The True Penny, sorry, True Penny Show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, The True Penny Show. And you can find us on Patreon, The True Penny Show, where you can keep us free forever for everyone. On this week, we will be back tomorrow with the Royal Brothers continuing story in the best of British on telling stories. We probably will have a wrestling rewind at some point this week. Dara has been awfully busy, though, trying to get things together. And, of course, G1 coverage continues. We're in the final straight, and we're going to see who wins the A block, who wins the B block, and meets at that big show at Budokan Hall next weekend. Oh, wrestling. Oh, it's getting close now. I can feel it, and I'm feeling Mox versus Okada, but we'll see. 
Anyway, take care. Have a great week, and I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for that, man. Thank <laughs> you.